Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance. Good morning, Um Brian. Um Brian. <laughs> I thought I'd just throw that on you, see your well, reaction. Did you think I fell asleep here in the chair? Hi, Brian. I'm fine, thanks, and you. Good to have you in studio. Nice to have the nice to. Good morning to all our listeners. Um, b- before we get into our the report back that you have for us, of course, from um, some of our callers at least last week, and before we get into Wool's Week, let's talk about this issue of the pension, Brian. It's horrible. This unclaimed benefits. Yes. Well, it's horrible because the, 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 there's no communication. There's no one to communicate. And, you know, you try and find, even try and call Government Employee Pension Fund, you'll sit on the phone for, and it'll just ring and ring and ring and ring. No one answers the phone. I mean, the service across the board, I mean, you mustn't, don't let me get going there because service in South Africa has become non existent. People just somehow think, if I don't answer the phone, at least I'll get rid of the customer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not how it works. And, 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 but particularly with the unclaimed pension benefits, it's been going on for years now. Uh, responsibility, who does it lie with? With the employer who can, can pick up that they've got benefits where members are no longer there and try and trace them. The members try and get them. It's a subject on its own. I'm quite happy to sit with you and do a program on it for our view- listeners. How ca- those? How do you know if you've got unclaimed benefits? So many people have changed jobs. Companies have been taken over and sometimes funds aren't transferred. So there's funds sitting just in, in limbo and members don't even know that maybe 10 or 15 years ago. And, you know, those pension funds are there for the retirees and people who've retired. Mm-hmm. And, they, they, and they don't know when they go in retirement if the figure's right or not. I often get asked... I'm retiring. I mean, I've got a lady retiring now. And next year, she asked me, I'm getting 264,000 Rand from my Provident Fund after 15 years. Does that sound right? I said, it doesn't sound right, but I'll have to find out. Because remember, it's not what your salary is today. What was your salary 15 years ago? And how much were you contributing? You were contributing much lower because your salary was lower. So I had to do the calculations. But I've done calculations where simple calculations, taking back 6% a year. So that means, let's say she's on 10,000 now. And what was it 15 years ago using a 6% compound? And then I calculated forward how much money should I... I worked out to like 490,000 Rand. Then we established, no, there's a paid-up fund with another company and this new co- the company that she works for now even though as far as she's concerned it's one employment but the company's work now started the pension fund a different pension fund so and and that's where someone's working but here's situation unclaimed pe- pension benefits i think you mentioned the sum 50 billion rand the, the figure now is close on 50 billion rand. So, uh, Brian, we'll have to find a day to dedicate. You can see I get very, I get very yeah, excited and, about these things. <laughs> rightfully so. And we'll also ask you insights because I know that in your other life you may or may not sit on one of the boards of <laughs> a pension fund. <laughs> Look at the way he's just like no, I did. I, I, I was a trustee on many pension funds mm. and we made sure that there was a carry forward from any changes where you, you maybe you were in a defined benefit fund which was very different to defined contribution, which means define the contribution and that fund's invested for you. Previously, there was a defined benefit fund where employees made a contribution. And if you were young, the employer didn't have to make a contribution because actuarially it was calculated there was no need. 
And those funds now, then there was the apportionment where at certain stages that those fund each fund had to do an apportionment to calculate what was in t- what the, were the members entitled to and but so all this a lot of this and, and when you talk to the FSB they will tell you about the number of funds they've just got mm-hmm. and in limbo and the monies are there all right so we'll have then this conversation uh, a lot more comprehensively you'll tell us uh, which date will be good for us to do that before we get into Will's week uh, there are two issues that were raised last week by our listeners that you wanted to follow up Yes, on. the first was a very good news, and for those that weren't with us last week, the Old Mutual is making an offer to, for qualifying black South Africans to invest a one-off amount or paying installments to become indirect shareholders in Old Mutual. It's a great offer. Uh, you'll be able to get pick up information, and I'll, I'll, I'll give the website out again and the phone number. But the good news is, I was asked, is this for coloreds as well? Well, the, well I've contacted them. It's for blacks, coloreds, Indians, and and Chinese. You are eligible eligible to apply for this. It's a five-year scheme, um, and you can get more details if you call 087-015-0395 or go onto their website, www.singularfs, I'll spell that, S-I-N-G-U-L-A-R-F-S, Dot co dot za and you can go. You've got till the twenty fourth, I think twenty fourth of October, uh, to buy these shares. You you can buy anything up to as, you know. You can make an application. They say one thousand or two thousand. You can go as whatever you can. I think it's a great long term five year investment. From these levels where the markets are depressed, I think that you'll do very well over the next five years. Although always remember, there's no guarantee with the share market. I mean, the shares go up and shares go down. But I think this is worth and. This is not a punt. This is worth making an investment to add to your long-term savings. Uh, thank, uh, thanks thank, then, thanks, thanks, um, for that advice, yeah, Brian. And then the other call I had was asked the question, have I ever heard of a company, and let me just find all my papers, called Iridanus? I said I would make invest in. It's a venture capital company. Uh, it's going to try and outport, uh, outperform local inflation. Uh, it's, it's Again, the minimum time horizon is minimum of five years. Let me say that, a minimum of five years because it could be seven or eight or nine years. During that period, you will not get your money back. You are taking risk. It's not really for the faint-hearted. It's not for our type of listener who's an investor, wants certainty, wants security, looking for long-term growth. And also, if you need liquidity, you can get it. This is a very illiquid type of investment. So to the caller who asked on it, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the company. I'm just saying be very cautious. Understand what you're getting into, mm. the long-term nature and the risks associated with venture capital. So just to explain on that a bit more then, Brian, are you effectively saying that, yes, it's long-term, but even in it being long-term, you aren't guaranteed a certain amount of returns at the end of a term? No, their objective is 10% plus above inflation. That's the objective. But remember, very simply, it's an aggressive risk-orientated investment and it's appropriate only for certain people who are willing to take on certain amount of risk. And that risk, yes, the rewards could be great, but let me tell you that what they do is they buy into startup companies and then they hope that those startup companies do well. Mm. Yes, some of them may do well, some of them may disappear, but it's very much locked in. It's very similar to what we had previously where investors could make in, an investment to a 12J company and get a tax deduction. That tax deduction long, no longer 
those exists. Oh. So when you're going into anything, the first question you must ask is, what are the risks associated with? And if I want to get my money out, what are the guarantees? Because people hear about it, they forget. Two years later, they're short of money. And then all of a sudden, I want to get my money out. You need to ask the question to make sure you've got it in writing. If I need the money, can I get it? And venture capital, the chances are you're going to have to sell your shares to someone else who may be interested, but they're going to sell them at a discount because they want a bargain. And you're certainly not going to make money if you're going to have to get out. Okay. So there's nothing wrong with venture capital capital for a small percentage, but it's for those with a little bit more appetite for risk. All right. Brian, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into wills. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlatana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. All right, so just for those who of you who are still asking, I will read out um, the details. This is for the old mutual BEE shares. I was on their website actually after our conversation last week. Very, very efficient. Anyway, let's get into Will's Week. And I think the the key issues here are the important components of a will that we need to keep in mind. And then I'm going to also be taking calls for you, Brian. 086-000-2032. That's the number to dial on the WhatsApp line. 0614-104-107. Just one, just one comment on that. I'm not a lawyer. I don't draft wills. I sit with clients and determine, and then I give instructions to legal people. But let me make this comment. Although we call it Wills Week, 80% of South Africans... And 75% globally of, of individuals do not have wills. I cannot understand the numbers because if you, do, if you don't have a will, how can you determine where your assets are going to go to? Because you leave it very much. Then you die intertestate. So when I say it's wills weak, the fact that institutions, the fact that legal bodies are providing a, a free will, I think they refer to a simple will where a husband leaves money to a wife, the wife leaves assets to, to and so on, and then maybe to, to major children, not minor children. I'll come to minor children at the moment. So it's every day that you should be looking to have a will because at least you know exactly where your assets are going to. So if you die and test state, what happens if uh, the first thing means your assets will be the, will go to your surviving spouse, it'll go to children, it'll go to parents or siblings according to a set formula. So let's be simple. Got an, a simple will. Husband leaves assets, doesn't have a will. Le- married, your husband, Kathy, married to you. Got children. If you die with a will, your husband can say, I'm leaving my assets to Kathy and Kathy's leaving her assets to me. But if you die and test state, the master will then determine and they will give you a percentage of those assets and they will give a percentage to the children. Now, if the children are over the age of 18, they can inherit, but I'm not sure if you want an 18-year-old to suddenly inherit half a million when this is the time in their life that they should be actually putting their head down and studying further to enhance their future career. But children under the age of 18 cannot inherit. They cannot inherit and it has to go into what's called a testamentary trust or some form of trust to be looked after for those children and if children inherit and you don't have a will it's going into the guardians funds which means it's going to be looked after for 
by the state. Now, I don't know anyone, I don't have any clients who've got monies looked after by the state, but I certainly would like to know that I've got flexibility and I've got choices and I wouldn't want my money to be looked after the state because I would I would imagine the state is going to be very conservative because they don't want to want to lose any money for you. And if your children are young, three, four or five, and you've got 10 or 12 years, you don't want it to be in a money market because you're not going to beat inflation. So by not having a will, the first thing is maybe the wrong people are going to inherit. The second Second thing is you have to now apply to the body. Someone has to apply to get the the papers to actually wind up the estate. Now, if there's a family, and I see this regularly, and one child, for example, is living in the house of the of the deceased, and the other brothers and children are living away, but the will, the normal would have been said, distribute the assets amongst us. It can be very disruptive if the one doesn't want really you to to leave the home. And I see this all the time, and I get this question: What can you do? So it it can take time. It can take any between three to six months to get the papers and then only can you start winding up the estate. If you've got a will, I repeat, you can leave assets to who you want and then at the same time within, well, although the master's office last year and while we were in COVID also had, you know, problems with employees and didn't have staff, I think now they're a little bit better, but it still can take anything up to four to six weeks. And during that time, when an estate is not yet open and you haven't been able to open up a bank account because you don't have the letters of executorship, and I'll come to the different components of the will, then uh, very simply no one can get money out. So the only way you can get money out if there's a policy and the policy has a beneficiary. So you've got to understand that this delays everything. And there's so many people who phoned me and said, this is a problem. So can I quickly just comment on what you need to do? The first thing of your will, you need an executor. That means you need to appoint someone responsible who will collect all the data and pay out to as to per the will. The executor has no discretion. I've given an example. I'm winding up an estate at the moment, a very big estate, and the lady who died was 99, and she had three carers, and the children have asked, can the three carers be paid? I cannot pay that out of the estate. It has to go to, I can pay it out to the children, and they can then pay it on. So the executor has no has no standing other than to do what is expected of him in terms of that will. So it doesn't matter. You don't have to point three children as executors. They're not benefiting from each other because I'm sure they're not going to take fees. The next thing you've got to determine who is inheriting. If it's children under the age of 18, you need to have a testamentary trust. So hold on. Okay. Uh, does the executor need to know that they've been appointed as the executor? doesn't need to know, and the executor can also refuse, but it's often you would ask someone, will you be my executor? So I think it's important to say, I've, I've appointed you executor, and then, but there may be time, but time, time later, you want to change your executor. Very easy to do that while you're alive. You can't do it when you're not alive. Then you need to appoint, and so if, if husband to wife, wife to husband, not a problem. Then their young children, then you need to say, uh, the, the children must inherit, there must be a trust, and a, a trust, not a trust that's formed during your lifetime. So there's no cost to that trust, but a trust that is formed on death by your executor who arranges the trust, and then you've got, you appoint trustees in your will. So you know who's actually going to be looking after the money on behalf of your children until they reach the nominated age that you want them to inherit. Most people today say all the income 
from the assets that I've left for the children in the trust must be used to maintain them for schooling, for clothing, all necessary things, and they can receive the, the capital when they're 25 or 30, whatever the case may be. Although the trustees always have the right to advance money to children if they show that they have that need. So you need to appoint trustees, someone who will manage, who will oversee, not invest the money, but will oversee where the funds are invested, and they will work with a financial advisor. Then you need a guardian in the will for children, in particular husband and wife. If something happens to them simultaneously, who's going to look after the children? You obviously need to discuss with a guardian. You can't just say, well, this is the person who suddenly gets a call saying, you are now the guardian of four more children. I've really got four. So you need a guardian. And those are the main, co- main, main simple comments. Obviously, wills do get more complicated where people have businesses and where they have assets overseas. And then maybe you need a second will. And from t- so there's, I'm saying will. Will week is probably, uh, if I was an attorney, are going to draw up very simple wills. Then you just understand if you appoint the legal firm or the firm doing the will, they will probably want to be the executor and executor's fees if you appoint an executor, is 3.5% plus VAT, 4% of the estate goes to an executor for them doing their work. But if a husband or wife appoint each other, then a wife can go to a firm of accountants or trust companies and say, how much will you charge me for winding up the state, and you probably can do it a little bit. You can probably get a much lower rate. So if you leave it to tariff, that's the tariff rate. So those are the things that you really. I'm not going into all because there are a lot of nuances when it comes to will. But I'm just saying you can have a simple will. Make sure that. The will is signed. Every page has to be signed, and it cannot be witnessed. It has to be witnessed by two witnesses, and it cannot be witnessed by anyone who's going to inherit. It's got to be independent witnesses. Make sure the will is dated, and make sure someone knows where the hard copy of the will is, because the master will not accept a photostat copy of the will. Mm -hmm. The master will want a wet copy, in other words, signed. So make sure you you, you, it's, it's, it's in a safe place. It's an important document. It's part of estate planning and financial planning and with a will is the cornerstone of your entire estate plan brian can somebody who is um a beneficiary in a will so um i've i say in my will okay brian i'm leaving you 10 percent. can you contest that when i'm gone and say no she only left me 10 percent, but i believe i'm entitled to 30 percent well, the only thing you can come to again to the executors for maintenance, if there's maintenance, there's a provision for maintenance. But a will, and unless you can prove that someone was of unsound mind, and that has to go to the court, and that is so difficult to prove. So again, if your will is your last document, and in most instances you will have very great difficulty in contesting the will. If you've been left out of the will and you are a dependent, then you can claim under maintenance as as a dependent uh, from the estate, and they would have to relook at it and obviously. Everything has to go through the master. As I said, the executor has no discretion at all. It all has to go either through the master or the courts. All right. Uh, We'll take your calls and questions for Brian after the latest 10.30 news headlines. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. Leading the conversation. Let me go straight to the Northern Cape. Babitzeng, good morning to you. Morning, Katie. Hi, how are you? I'm good, Katie. How I'm your well, thank you. There. <laughs> Look, Katie, um, one day I did listen to Brian, and I concur with what he said, that uh, 
you know, when you're on a government pension or even the BS pension, you know, those pensions, they will tell you on your retirement, we will be giving you 12,000 rand monthly. And then when you go to a broker for a private insurance, they will give you an offer which is really mouth worth uh, I'd say maybe 16,000 per month, but you must know when you've got 6 million that you transfer to a private insurer, the person who's going to help you, which means the broker qualifies for 600,000 for sweet nothing, the 1%. But the critical information that they are withholding is that your monthly pension is going to go down from 16,000 every year. It will go down. It doesn't grow. But hence, this one, uh, the beers, as well as the government one, the government one, they have received 3% increment. But these private uh, ones, they don't grow. They, they go down and down. Now, the question is, are these people not trading on the stock exchange to advantage the people that they have given them their pensions? Why is that happening? Why are people not being told? Because I even told my wife that if you go on pension, remain with the government because you'll get uh, increment every year rather than go to a private one because that information, it's not coming true. Thank you very much. I'll listen on the radio, Katie. Yeah. Uh, By the way, um, many funds today, particularly defined benefit funds, which is very simply the government type fund, yes, they will offer you a pension, they will escalate the pension. The only problem is after a certain period of time after your death, they may only guarantee the pension to your wife for a further five years. So all the insurance companies are doing, by the way, is offering you an option for you to have a look at. And it all depends on your circumstances. If you'd like one day some of your pension, which I don't always agree with, to go to your children, remember under a under a fund that you're getting pension every month when you die, and when I said after five years, probably the pension ends, the end of the capital. So people sometimes like to say, I've got enough money, I'll take a little bit less, and at least my fam- my children will inherit. However, you're right about going into the open market, and there are two types of pensions. One's a fixed pension, which is equivalent to the fund that you have that's giving you the pension, and you can com- compare in the open market, which guarantees your pension. You can take a guaranteed escalator. So if government pension, for example, is giving a 3% increase, you can ask the insurance company, give me a comparable quote with a 3% uh, with a three percent escalation. You could also ask the company uh, for a joint pension for both you and your spouse, or people go into living annuities where they want to retain their capital, and that's where the risk comes in. So very different types of pensions. You can have a hybrid. So you're right. You've got to look around. You've got to understand all the different options. Just one comment I'd make. If a broker invests $6 million of your money into a pension fund, he's not going to earn 600000 His commission should be no more than half a percent, and that's 30000 rand a year. But for that 30000 rand, he's got to manage your pension, uh, manage the funds you're in, particularly where you're in a living annuity. Too long a subject to give all the answers to no, but today, but you're absolutely right. You do have need to understand every option available to you, and many people who've gone into living annuities, which means they wanted to grow their capital over the last five years, they found markets have come down, and they're a lot worse off. So it depends on your circumstances. GM in Makanda, good morning. 
Morning, Kathy and Brian. Morning, Jim. I'm sorry also to move from the Will's Week topic, but Brian, even if it's not today, kindly simplify, uh, especially the divestment or the disinvestment of Fundisa. What are the options, in layman's terms, please, what are the options available to all the investors since the fund will be seizing soon? I think uh, by end of this month, it will be the last uh, time that monies are deducted. Now, what are the immediate actions from the investors? Do they cancel stop orders or are they going to be automatic? And um, there's nothing yet in place. I think even the financial institutions promised that they might plan something or ASISA itself, that they might have something in place to help the investors to move their funds into. So I just needed to check, just simplify it for the investors as to what is or what is expected of them immediately. Where do they move from here? Surely they can't be left to their devices. Of course, it's their money, but just simplify uh, the immediate actions, please. Okay, well, I will comment on that because I've, I've been uh, I've been a great f- a fan of Fundisa right since it started maybe 15 years ago. And my two grandchildren are now 12 and 10 are both in Fundisa. And the beauty of Fundisa was that up to 200 rand a month, you go went into a money market fund and you got a bonus from the government of 25% every year. So that was a fantastic return. But now they've cancelled it. We, firstly, they stopped, they had the means test where not anyone could go in and then now they've stopped it. So what they're going to be doing is the stop orders are going to stop and the funds are going to be repaid to the individuals. They're not going to be giving individuals any advice, although they may send a letter saying these are the choices. So what I think I'll do is I will give do a program, uh, next, if not next week, the week after, and I'll talk to people what they should be doing with their Fondisa fund, depending on the ages, because, you know, when the kids were young, you had 10, 15 years to go. Now, maybe you've only got three or four years ago, and that doesn't give you much time to invest. I'll do, I'll give a report back either next week or the, I think two weeks time because I'll, I'll have more information to find out exactly because I've encouraged many over the years um, SAFM listeners to actually invest for their young children into Fundisa. What should you be doing with the capital? You're going to be paid out. You're actually going to get money transferred into your bank account. You've got to decide what do I still need to do for my children. Thank you. All right. Thank you, GM. Um, so just look out then for that response from Brian. And is there a, a, an alternative? I think it will be great if you can tell us if there's a, a, an offering in the market currently that would be an alternative. No, to you've now, you know, the, the, your choice was Fundisa or Satrix, mm-hmm. one of the Satrix funds to provide. And you didn't want insurance policies. Many years ago, people bought endowments. It's just too expensive. Mm-hmm. But the Satrix funds just accumulating every month for long-term education. Mm-hmm. The Fundisa fund was a tertiary education fund. You, you And you... You wouldn't actually get the cash. You'd use it to fund your university fees. They've stopped it early. It was their right to stop it. They always had the right. But they paid you the bonuses and everything mm-hmm. like that. And people have made very nice money out of it. What are the alternatives? To, and I'll deal with it because different age groups, different number of years before you need that fund will then determine what your choices are. All right. Let me take this WhatsApp voice note question for you, Brian. Morning, SFM, and to listeners. And to the honourable guest Brian, it's Sullivan Governor from Durban. Brian, with all these companies are offering uh, free wills to the people, if one doesn't nominate an ex- executor, 
does the person who drafting the will can they stay an executor and do they can they claim three percent of the total estate please just some clarity on that because i always wondered why would somebody offer you a free will and not gain something out of it thank you and uh, point two please uh, give the company again that when you first came on air you said singular some singular comp where they where we can uh, research and buy some shares thank you so and very simply uh, the executor's fees tariff is 3.5% VAT. So a lot of the firms will be offering wills. Obviously, they will say to the individual, we can act as your executor and we will not charge you. And it's a free will. Or if you want, uh, and I know very simply because I had Discovery on, Discovery offering, will, they always offer wills, not only in this week. And they don't charge if you appoint them the executor. And at the same time, they also keep on file the hard copy, which I said so many people people lose. So the executor may charge you, but you have that choice to say, no, I'm happy to pay for the will, and then I'll have choice of my own executor. So when you say three, it's three and a half percent plus VAT. Uh, many people have negotiated with executors lower fees. And then the second point you asked me, uh, we'll, uh, Kathy, have you got those details or should I give them out? Um, Singular FS, that's the website, the website uh, details. It's S I N G U A L. Let me start that again. S I N G U L A R F S dot C O dot Z A. So singular F S dot C O dot Z A. But I also found that if you go onto Google and you just put in their old mutual. BEE shares. Um, it, it takes you to that singular website. It's one of the options uh, that comes up, and you can find all the details there. Brian, your contact details? 011 I'm not leaving you a happy man at all. You mentioned you're only leaving 10% of, you, of your assets to <laughs> me in your will. I think listeners should phone in and say that's very unfair, only to offer me 10%. I'll only change it once you agree to leave everything to me. We had that discussion last <laughs> week. <laughs> you see, you're still not budging. So <laughs> what else can I do? Okay. I, I'm more interested in, in your assets than I am be in careful, mine. Thank be you. Be careful. Have you looked at the other side of my balance sheet? <laughs> the one side is assets, it, it, the other one's liability. Oh, really? You're prepared to take a chance. <laughs> I'm willing to take a bet. <laughs> I'm willing to take the risk. If I die, I, this is the hill on which I'm willing to die, Brian. <laughs> All right, Brian, of course, back with us again next week, Tuesday, as we continue talking finance.